Welcome to the Cross Street Podcast. My name is Scott, and each week we're going to explore different topics and passages from the Bible, see what their meaning is, and then more importantly, see what relevance and applicability there are to our lives today. A lot of people think the Bible is outdated and has very little relevance in modern society, but in reality, there's a lot we can learn from it and even more to be encouraged by. And we challenge you to throw out any preconceived notions you may have about the Bible and read it again for the first time. You may be surprised at what hope it gives. Today we're going to be looking at a very interesting passage in the book of John that discusses uh, a thing that I think is very relevant uh, in today's society. One thing I find uh, a lot of, and including to myself, is that uh, we look to find uh, contentment in a lot of things uh, in this world. Uh, things like how much money we have, uh, how successful we are at our jobs, um, what our wife or husband looks like, how intelligent or athletic our children are. We search for all these things that can uh, satisfy us inside and make us feel like we're important and kind of complete. Um, but the reality is, uh, once we uh, find that we've achieved sort of the goals that we'd set out, we still find that emptiness inside of us. And especially if we don't find those goals or don't succeed at what we can, we feel like we're failures. And this passage is addressing the real desire that we have, all of us inside, and what God is there to do for us. So I think it should be a very uh, encouraging one today. Um, we're going to open up and read. It's going to be in John 4. Uh, it's an exchange between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. So we're going to pick up the reading in chapter 4, verse 4. Now, we had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to... By food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty again and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, said the woman, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one, But no one asked him, What do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believed. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is that this man really is the Savior of the world. And that's the ending of the reading today from John. So what we have here is a very interesting exchange between Jesus and a woman in Samaria. And on the surface, it's a little bit confusing, but if you look at the historical context, it brings a lot of the a message into focus. So we're going to start with a historical background and then look at what we can learn from the passage uh, going through it. So to start with, as I said, um, the whole backdrop here between the Samaritans and the Jews was that they were have a, uh, had great hostility towards each other. And that went back to the fact that uh, they were battling over where the true God was to be worshipped. Uh, the Samaritans had built a temple on a mountain in their area called Mount Gerizim. And the uh, Jews had built a temple again in Jerusalem where they said where the true temple of uh, worshiping God should be. And the Samaritans were um, a intermingled breed between uh, previously Jewish people and uh, pagans. So the kind of, you know, purebred Jews of Jerusalem did not have any interest in the Samaritans and thought very negatively of them because they thought they were not uh, true um uh, acceptors of God, and they also tried to worship on the uh, the wrong the wrong temple. And in fact, in about 130 BC, uh, the Jews actually went and ransacked and burned down that temple that was on Mount Gerizim. So the Samaritans and Jews had a horrendous uh, relationship at this point and really didn't associate so much so that even Jewish people, when they were trying to travel between. Um, Judea and Galilee, they had to pass through Samaria, would actually go across the Jordan River to the east to avoid even going into the area where they would come into contact with Samaritans. So it was it was unusual that Jewish people would be coming into a Samaritan uh, area. And uh, not only that, Jewish men in that culture did not associate with women at all. So this encounter we have is obviously between a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman, and that's the backdrop of a very strange situation and, and where this uh, story picks up. So I think what we can do now is to just kind of walk through the text and see what we can learn from it, and then uh, make some conclusions and some uh, applications for our own lives on the back end. So starting off uh, right at the top of the text, and we're just going to go all the way through because this is a long passage um, to try to understand it a little bit better. Um, the first thing that's, that we notice is that uh, Jesus shows up to the well around noon, and the woman uh, comes shortly thereafter. The unusual thing about this is that, obviously, this is located in the desert in the hot of the day, and when people would go to get water, they would either do it in the early morning or late afternoon. Why would this woman be showing up at noontime to, uh, to gather water? Uh, and the reason I think it is is because the woman would have been trying to not be seen by any of the other uh, women in her culture. Um, 
As we read further on, we learned that she turned out to be a five-time divorcee um, and was currently living with a man who she was not married to. And in that culture, getting a divorce would have made you a, an outcast, let alone getting five divorces or, you know, even further living with a man who you're not married to. So I'm sure that the reason she showed up when she did was because she didn't want to uh, see anybody else. So we, uh, it even juxtaposes even more the, the difference between Jesus, a Jewish man, coming up to a Samaritan woman, not only a Samaritan woman, but an outcast from her own society. And that is the first big thing that we learn. Why would Jesus have interacted with this woman? And, and she asks, you know, obviously this makes sense why she said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? But Jesus is really saying something very important here. He's saying all of the social norms of our day, I'm blowing out of the water. There is no reason for any dis discrimination based on gender, race, class, where you live in society, anything like that. I have come to meet with everybody, and I've come to use everybody. So that's the first thing that we get out of it. Then Jesus answers her about the question, you know, why are you talking to me? And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who, who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Gift here, I think, is a key word. It's telling that it's free. The gift that God's offering is a free grace. It's not based on merit. It's not something that's deserved. It's him offering it to us, unconditionally to us. The only thing you need to do with a gift is to receive it, and it's for all of us. So then the woman, when Jesus responds to him about living water, starts to get a little bit confused. Says, uh, you know, you don't even have a bucket. What, what are you talking about, this living water? And Jesus responds, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What is he talking about here? Well, he's obviously making an analogy about water. Water is obviously the essential thing to life for all humans, especially back in the day there where it was such an important thing. They didn't have other things to drink like we do. So getting water was the lifeblood of any kind of life. Uh, what Jesus said, make an analogy that, you know, what you're looking for is water for your physical. What I have to offer for you is actually spiritual water. The thing that's in your heart that you desire, that you've never been able to quench. That's what I'm here to offer. The woman at this point is getting kind of a little bit confused and says, okay, um, well, you know, uh, maybe give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come back here and keep drawing. Then Jesus kind of throws a curveball at her. He says, go and call your husband and come back. And the woman says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right, you have no husband. The fact is you have five, you've had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So it kind of seems like Jesus is changing the subject when the woman asks for the living water. But in reality, what he's doing is he's getting at the heart of the question. This woman is lo looking to satisfy that innermost quenching of thirst through her husband's. She had obviously had um, a very uh, trouble with relationships and was constantly trying to fulfill her innermost desires of her heart through relationships. What Jesus was saying was, this thing that you're searching after, I can quench it. He was saying, let me come into your heart and be the thing that satisfies your innermost desires. And we can learn a lot from this because, you know, for this woman, it was she was searching for it in relationships. We do it through our money through our friends, through our status, through our intelligence, through our children, anything it might be that we try to find the um, satisfaction inside of us 
that actually never really gets fulfilled is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to come into your heart and be that satisfaction, be that thing that you, we all thirst for. We're all striving for something. We just don't recognize that real, realistically it's God that we want, and he's the only one who can actually fulfill that desire we have inside of our heart. Then it goes on, so the, the woman is trying to sort of uh, change the subject because Jesus has kind of brought up a, a touchy subject for her, I'm sure. So he says, she says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Kind of, what do you say? She's trying to, you know, change the subject and ask him a theological question. She's saying, okay, you, you know, you obviously can see something about me. How about I ask you a diversion and, and get you uh, to talk about a theological issue? And uh, Jesus, instead of uh, taking her back to where he was and talking about her subject, he, he uses what she asks him to teach her even more things. What happens here is that, as we talked about earlier, the mountain of Mount Gerizim is where the Samaritans worshipped, and the Temple Mountain was where the uh, Jews were worshipping in Jerusalem. And mountains throughout uh, the history of, of the Jewish culture were very significant. Moses obviously got the Ten Commandments up on Mount Sinai. Abraham brought his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. This is where the pillars of society went to meet God. They went up on a mountain. They were by themselves or with other important people. The priests or the the highest in the uh, class at the time were the ones who could go reach up to the reach out to God for guidance and and seek Him. But Jesus actually turns this on its head. Listen to what He says, "Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What's going on here? God, Jesus is saying that historically you had to go up on a mountain to try to seek God. But in reality, I have actually come down to you. Jesus, God in human flesh, has come down to seek humans. No longer do you need to go up on a mountain. No longer do you need to be uh, the pastor of your church or the pillar of society to be able to reach up to God. God has actually come down to seek you. He is looking for those that are looking to worship him in their hearts, not where they're physically located or where they are in the cultural status. He has actually come down to be amongst you. It's leveled the playing field for everybody. No longer do you need to be the Pharisee of the day or the Jewish scholar. Jesus has come for all of us. And when Jesus says a time is coming, the better translation is actually the hour is coming. And whenever it talks about the hour in John's gospel, it's always pointing to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, the ultimate quenching of the thirst that he did for all of us in his sacrifice. So Jesus is leveling the playing field, and he's mentioning the foreshadowing of what he's about to do. And the woman is getting really confused at this time, so she tries to kind of divert it off completely and says, uh, okay, I'll throw him a throwaway. Uh, I know that the Messiah Christ is coming. He'll be able to explain this stuff to me because I'm getting a little bit confused. And then Jesus gives her the real bang when he says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This is the confirmation that he is God come down, and he's referencing himself about the time coming when he is going to give up his life to bring salvation to the earth and to give the ultimate quenching of all of our thirsts. After he's done talking with her, his disciples show back up, and, and they're obviously confused as to why Jesus is talking to her and ask him, you know, but they were afraid to ask him, what are you doing here talking to her? What does she want? But they're afraid to do that. 
Once again, it's just a reaffirmation that Jesus is showing that my gospel is for everyone. It's not just for Jews. It's not just for men. It's for all people. So he's, he's once again just breaking down the social norms of the day. And the woman, obviously excitedly now, uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty amazed at this man, uh, drops her water jar, doesn't even care about the water, runs back to her village and, and screams and chants for everyone to come and uh, see a man that, that could be the Messiah, basically. And what's happening now is that you can actually see what happens to your heart when it's changed, when this living water is brought in, when Jesus actually enters your heart. That becomes the center of your being. The woman who previously was ashamed to be in front of some of her, her fellow Samaritans was running through town calling everyone to come follow her. Do you think at this point that a lot of people would have believed her? She would have been, people would have said, wow, this, here goes the crazy woman again. But in reality, she was so emboldened by what Jesus had done to her, what love and what grace he had shown to her, that she was not afraid to go call everyone. And look what happened on the back end. The whole town was converted effectively. They had never heard the message of Jesus before. This is what the, the gospel can do for you. God knows your inner issues. He knows what you truly desire. He is there to fulfill that. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to fulfill your soul with what you're always yearned for. And then finally, the reconfirmation of what he did with quenching this thirst was on the cross. Uh, he said, after he said that it's all finished, he said, I am thirsty. What was going on there? To paraphrase, one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller, Jesus experienced the ultimate thirst on the cross so that we may have that living water that final quenching of our thirst. He gave it all up so that the thirst that we deserved, he took upon himself so that we may have the quenching forever. Jesus is the satisfaction of our soul. He is the way we have salvation. He is everything we need. The two major things to conclude with that kind of just bring it all together is that, number one, Jesus is the satisfier of our deepest desires, not anything we can find in this world. And then number two, God has actually come to seek you. Radically different from the, how people knew how to reach God. You don't need to look good and go into church to find God. God is actually looking for you where you are. You don't have to get your life in order. You don't have to accomplish many things. God wants you where you are. And even where you are, once he's got you, he's going to use you. So take that as encouragement today, that God is looking for you. Reach out to him. The right time is now. The Bible tells us, behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Ask Jesus to come into your heart today. And when you do, you will finally feel the peace and contentment you have always been searching for. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I look forward to next week on the Cross Street Podcast.